Hi, Rich Dani here from sunny South Africa. Thank you for your YouTube channel and your podcast. Uh, I have learned a lot from you and really appreciate the information that you're sharing. You have mentioned that you are looking to come out to Africa. If you ever uh, get to it, please let me know. I'd love to help you plan the trip and uh, suggest some some uh, hunting farms and lodges for you to go visit. Uh, I really think you would enjoy it. and. Uh, bring the OBE with and uh, get some amazing African plates game in your trophy room. Well, thank you, Donnie from South Africa. I really, really appreciate it. I've had a few people reach out to me from overseas and I can't tell you how much it really makes me happy to hear that I have friends of Bungie overseas. How cool is that, right? I started a little YouTube channel just talking about crossbows and crossbow hunting back years and years ago. Just really the purpose of starting that channel was because I liked doing video stuff. I liked hunting with a crossbow and I wanted to share some of the experiences that I had with my family and friends, my close friends. And it grew quite quickly. We're over 37,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel and, uh, you know, 7.5 million channel views I've had over that time. All these people watching these videos, it just amazes me. I never expected to have that kind of a response and to grow like that. Really never expected that. And I can tell you also, um, I never expected in my lifetime to have an opportunity to go to South Africa, to go hunt in Africa. Can you imagine that? That is like the Mecca of hunting, really. You know, just these exotic animals you just don't see elsewhere and the opportunity to go there someday. It really, really makes me happy that I will be able to do that down the road. I do have... I'm making a list of places I want to visit. I'm making a list of game that I want to go after. And I can tell you, Donnie, um, yeah, the OB is going with me. How about that, right? As much as I love modern crossbow technology, as much as I appreciate the rule of 400, 400 feet per second with a 400 or so grain arrow, the ability out of the box to get 0.7 slugs of momentum, that's so impressive, so incredible. It's within reach of every new crossbow hunter. You can go to Walmart and for under 500 bucks, outfit yourself with a crossbow that will do just that out of the box. And you can point that at any animal in North America and take it down with that crossbow, with the right broadhead and the right shot. Can you believe that? What a great world we live in. Now, the flip side of that, and I'll talk a little bit about that here, is the struggles with new technology. Yin and yang, right? There's so many different ways to express this. Yin and yang is one way. you got the black and the white, and they're always in the same circle together, right? The other thing is, I've talked about in my book, The Death by Bungie Crossbow Method, that we have advantages and disadvantages to everything. Everything has cause and effect and that cause and effect, once you change one thing, it changes something else in your chain of hunting, your crossbow hunting method. And there's going to be good and bad to every decision you make. And you got to weigh those. you got to use your brain. you got to think about it. And weigh those and come up with which one's best for you. I'm talking about the Burris Oracle X. That's what I'm talking about, right? And I have a little post on my Facebook page I just put up today. And we'll see in a couple of days what the response is to that. 
So you can go check that out and weigh in if you want on the Facebook page, the Death by Bungie Facebook page. The question is, that I have to answer, right, that I'm thinking about, is do I want... I'm sitting right here in the trophy room looking at the OB. Bungie's right in front of me. And it has installed on Bungie the Twilight DLX scope from Excalibur. I love that scope. I killed a lot of deer with that scope. I killed a lot of deer with lesser scopes, right? I've been going back and forth with a friend of Bungie who has an Axiom also and is using the original scope that came with it. Can you believe that when I bought Bungie back in 2010, an Excalibur Axiom, September 2nd, 2010, got that crossbow. It came with a scope that only went out to 50 yards, first of all. It had a 10-yard reticle. Can you believe that? Nobody has a 10-yard reticle now. We just assume it's the same from 0 to 20, which it's not. It's completely not. Because if, if you think it is, 6 yards is not the same as 20 yards. I guarantee you it is not the same thing. Go try it, right? I did a video on that. But zero to uh, 10 to 50 yards was the only reticles it had. They didn't have numbers on them. It was a real generic set of reticles. And it didn't have a speed ring. You couldn't adjust that. You could adjust magnification. You could adjust, you know, zoom a little bit, that kind of thing. And uh, maybe you couldn't. I'm not even sure you could adjust that. You could adjust clarity for sure and sort of focus it to your eye. But you really didn't get the opportunities. You didn't have any speed scope on there. So if you deviated at all from the manufacturer's supplied arrows and broadheads or field points, you were out of luck, right? All of a sudden, uh, 30 was not 30. It was like 29. And 40 wasn't 40. 40 was really 36 or something. And it was just a pain in the neck. And I remember going back and forth with Excalibur trying to get my head around it because I didn't, at that time, I had no idea what a speed scope was. And I bought my first speed scope from them. I could go back and look at it and tell you what the name of that was, but it was a an upgrade for sure. But eventually I bought their most expensive scope at the time, the Twilight DLX, back in early 2000 teens, I'm thinking. I upgraded to that Twilight DLX. And I liked it so much, I bought four or five of them. I've sold a couple to friends of Bungie who were interested in using those scopes. I sold them thinking, I bought all of them thinking that I'm going to hunt with these scopes forever and there's no reason for me to, you know, I'm just going to have boxes of these scopes because as far as the OB is concerned, it worked perfectly on that crossbow. So I bought a bunch of them. When I find something I like, I buy a lot of them, right? I have a lot of Swahacker broadheads. I got lots of zombie slayers. I've got probably two dozen of those things sitting around here and I'll always have a dozen in my in my arrow box of zombies. So, uh, because I like them, you know, when I find something else I'll like, I'll buy a bunch of those probably. That's just how it is. So I'm prepared to go to Maryland with this crossbow, but the question on the Facebook page is, do I keep that scope on there or put one of the two brand new Burris Oracle X scopes that I have on it, sight it in, I can sight it in, it'll be a piece of cake to sight it in, get it all trued out 60 yards, and take that with me to Maryland. Now, the reason this is, you know, on one hand, our most recent information is what's dominating our thought process about this scope. Our most recent information is that I've struggled with these and I had two of them that were junk, right? One of them quit on me, even though I used it to kill a deer and last season. And, uh, but the, I, I, you know, I missed a woodchuck because of that scope failing on me. 
And it wasn't the mount. It wasn't operator error because I sent it back to Burris and they, the only response I got from them is that it was non-repairable. Now that tells me it didn't work for them either. That tells me that it was just easier for them to send me a brand new one than it was to repair it. So they sent me a brand new one and it's still in the box, still sealed in the box, brand new. I could sell that if I want to as a brand new scope because everybody that buys it gets the warranty. It's that simple. On the other hand, um, I really want to know if it's a newer one. I want to know what the firmware version is in, in it. My firmware versions are 1.17 for what that's worth. And I'd like to see if this newer one works better. Or do these new ones have battery drain issues like everybody else complains about? I got lucky on that. Mine did not have battery drain issues. I can tell you that the battery was dead in the Twilight DLX, but it took me two seconds to replace it. The cap went right back on. Uh, and it works perfectly, as and it will work perfectly all season. But last year in Maryland, you'll remember the OB and I had a little bit of a problem. I shot a deer thinking it was at 30 yards using the 30 yard reticle. It was really closer to 25. And with that old slow crossbow shooting a real heavy arrow, 563 grains, I had a four inch difference, right? So that deer, I was aiming kind of high. I wasn't aiming high, I was aiming right where I wanted to aim, but that deer was able to duck and take that arrow through both shoulder blades, killed it, no problem. I had to take a follow-up shot, which was you know, unfortunate, and I don't like doing that. But the Burst Oracle X would help resolve that problem. You aren't guessing about yardage. I'm not guessing that it's 25 or 30 or 20 or what have you. I am using a precise dot that tells me exactly where that deer is, where I want to take my shot, place my point of aim, and my point of impact will be identical to that. It really will improve my crossbow hunting. So I'm kind of, you know, I can see it both ways. On one hand, this thing, I need a backup crossbow in case the scopes die on me. And this crossbow is no doubt going to get the job done. I know it, right? No reason to believe otherwise. The other cross, you know, the, the SWAT has taken the Burris. The, that's going with me and it's taken a Burris. I will not have time to put a SWAT or a, a Burris Oracle X on the Scorpid Deathstalker, unfortunately. I don't think that's going to happen, but it is what it is. But So that's the rant on the Burris, and I hate to make all of Death by Bungie about the Burris Oracle X, but that's what's dominating my thoughts and my crossbow hunting at this time. And it's an interesting thing, because I do believe, I firmly believe, those scopes are the future of crossbow hunting. There's no question in my mind, everybody will be using one of these down the road. I don't know when, right? It might be two years from now, it might be 15, 20 years from now, I don't know. But there's absolutely no reason to carry a rangefinder and a scope into the woods every time you go hunting if you can combine the two into a working and dependable unit, okay? I've had rangefinders die on me over the years. I'm actually on my second and third rangefinders. I had one that died on me, and then I bought two new ones, and um, those are, the two new ones are still functioning. I mean, I've had them for 10 years. So rangefinders also died on me now that I think back, and maybe that's the issue, you know? A lot of vibration on there. Maybe a rangefinder doesn't like vibration like that. Maybe the two, maybe you can't put a, a rangefinder in a scope. I don't know. It seems like it could. I don't see why it would matter. But if it matters, it matters. We're going to find out. So that's how I turned South Africa into the Burris Oracle X. Think about that. That's just crazy. Let's move on to another comment from a friend of Bungie. How about that? And here I have one uh, from friend of Bungie, Les. Hi, Rich. Love your videos. 
One thing I don't believe you have covered, at least I haven't seen, is how the new crossbows that you are reviewing handle being cocked all day long while sitting in a stand or a ground blind. I have an Excalibur Assassin 400 takedown, love the simplicity and accuracy, although I did have one limb break this year. I don't, I'm deviating, this isn't in the message, but it always, I love the simplicity and accuracy, but I had to replace a limb in the same breath. In the same breath. And I'm not criticizing Les for choosing an Excalibur. I'm not criticizing Excalibur really, other than we got to figure out what the deal is with these limbs. Okay. We got to figure that out because you can't have crossbows that are breaking on you. This is coming from the guy who has scopes that are breaking on him. Right. So I, and I, and we've had a limb break here within this family. I have used this for two years now and I cock it with the arrow when I leave the truck and uncock it when I return. It doesn't seem to have any effect on the bow or very little on the string. Was just wondering if you have covered this topic. I have talked about this in different videos, and there are different recommendations for different crossbows. Barnett, if I remember correctly, I've read over the years that there are crossbows you recommend not more than four hours. Now, understand, I don't think leaving it cocked for four hours and uncocking it and then immediately recocking it is any different for, and, and sitting for another four hours. I don't think that's much different than leaving a cock for eight hours. Okay. So I think what they're saying is hunt in the morning, discharge it or uncock it, go home and have lunch, then go back out in the afternoon, cock it and sit again. Right. You got, but you need an hour or two in between there to let those limbs rest, I think is what they're getting at. I don't manufacture these things and I can only talk from experience. Now, what I don't do with a brand new crossbow is cock it, leave it cocked and see what happens and then go out and shoot. Now I did that with the Scorpid. I wanted to see if it maintained accuracy after being cocked. That was very important to me. So friend of Bungie Les, great question, right? You and I think alike. All too often, I think crossbow manufacturers make these crossbows and they're, they're in the, everybody brags about how many shots they got on their crossbows. I think that is so irrelevant to a crossbow hunter. Think about this. Every manufacturer over the years, cocks and shoots and cocks and shoots and cocks and shoots their crossbows. They all do that, right? Excalibur, Raven. Raven brags about 5,000 shots without a failure. I've heard them say that in podcasts, people from the company. So what they do is they either have a person doing that or a machine that does it that routinely, constantly is cocking and shooting that crossbow. Now, if you do that a thousand times a day over a course of five days, I'm just picking numbers, that's 5,000 shots, right? And 5,000 shots is a lot, but that is not the same. It's not the same as what we actually do. I can only speak for myself, but I suspect I'm speaking for everybody else, really, who is a crossbow hunter. We shoot a few times in the backyard. We get it all sighted in. It hangs on the wall. We go out and hunt, and we're taking it out of that nice, warm, cozy home where it's sitting in a 60 or 70 degree environment. And we're taking it out in the woods where it's as cold as maybe 10 below zero. And we're sitting through rain and we're sitting through snow and we're sitting through changes where in the fall it goes from 20 degrees in the morning, a nice crisp morning up to you know 60 degrees in the afternoon. And we're sitting there with this thing cocked for hours on end, waiting for a deer to come in. And when we take the shot, that thing has gone through temperature changes and 
it has gone through the stress of being cocked for that length of time. That is the true measure of the durability of your crossbow. Not routine, robotic cocking and shooting, something that a machine can do. Because all that is doing is flexing and releasing the limbs. That's all it's doing, right? That's good for the manufacturer. I'm glad they do that. That tells them whether, you know, if, if it can't withstand that, it certainly isn't going to withstand what we do as crossbow hunters. But the real measure of the value, the durability of your crossbow, to me as a crossbow hunter, right? Not as a crossbow enthusiast. I'm not a crossbow target guy or, you know, competitive guy or anything like that. As a crossbow hunter, the important thing to me is how many seasons can I get out of this thing? How many times can I go out there for how many years can I go out there, year after year after year, and kill deer with it, accurately, with precision, doing everything I ask it to do, without breaking limbs, without having to replace the trigger or the safety, without having problems with Burris Oracle X scopes, right? <laughs> That's the measure. One season with the Burris Oracle X, I don't care if I shot that thing 50,000 times over the course of that one season. One season ain't enough right? For that scope. I don't care if you got 50,000 shots on that scope. That means nothing to me. What I want is to still be using that scope year after year after year for going on 14 seasons like the OB. That is the measure of durability. Now, I did talk to Dave Wilkins, okay, from Wyvern Creations. He is a dear friend of Bungie. I really do have a lot of respect for him because of his love for crossbows. He's got more experience with crossbows than I will ever have. And he's a lot more knowledge about crossbows than I will ever have. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have, that's for sure. And he would tell you that you need to shoot your crossbow an awful lot in the backyard. You need to go out there and make sure that you are stressing and flexing those limbs over and over in order to get them sort of broken in. Once they're broken in, then you can go sit in a tree stand for a length of time. I kind of get that, okay? That kind of makes sense to me. Now, I've never heard that from a manufacturer, but that doesn't change the fact that it still makes sense to me. And I don't think it can hurt, right? Get that crossbow out, shoot it a bunch in the, in the backyard, get it comfortable, and then leave it cocked all, not all day. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I, and the last thing I'll say on this topic, I did way back in like 2014 or something, or 13, I... On opening day in Pennsylvania, took the OB out there. It was just bungee back then. It wasn't the OB. It was just the only bungee, right? I went out and sat in a tree stand next to an apple orchard. And I got there before the sun came up. Cocked it at 4 o'clock in the morning or something. And I sat there and shot a deer at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, that was a long time. But basically, I'd had that thing cocked for going on 12 hours. I don't know the exact amount of time. I could look back at the footage because I had footage of all this. But the, and I did a video. That video is on YouTube. But that arrow went exactly where I was aiming. It wasn't a problem. It was a perfect shot. So it didn't mind sitting that long. It didn't mind it one bit. And it fired exactly the same as it would have had I just cocked it and shot the deer. So I think you're better off. I have no interest in sitting 12 hours anymore. I would never do that again. Not going to do it. It's just not my style of hunting. I hunt in the morning. If I hunt in the morning, great. I go home, have lunch or whatever, go to a new spot in the afternoon and sit till dark. And I don't see any reason to sit 
if it's getting dark at 7.30, I don't see any reason to get there at noon. I'm not going to sit for seven hours, so uh, there's no reason to do that. The deer are going to come out just before dark, so get there a couple hours before them. And, you know, then you can sit a lot more comfortably. You're not rooching around and all that. That's my current model of the death by bungee crossbow hunting method. Basically, just get there before the deer do and then shoot them when they show up. How's that? <laughs> right? Put all your eggs in the right basket. All right, here is another question from a friend of Bungie, from friend of Bungie, Dan. Dan and I have gone back and forth a lot over the years, and I do appreciate the commentary. On one hand, this is the message I got from him. On one hand, you're at the same level as the deer. Now, the question is, hunting from a blind, does it matter which way the wind is blowing? On one hand, you're at the same level as the deer, so the wind blows, you're sent toward them directly as opposed to dispersing up in the air, or at least that is what some people say. On the other hand, you are in a blind and enclosed structure, so it seems like there's less wind blowing it, less movement of your scent. Personally, I think you set the blind up at a place where the predominant wind is blowing away from the deer, you're probably okay. In my experience, the wind shifts and blows, blows different directions all day long anyway. So I still try to be as scent-free as much as possible. I take a scent-free shower and wear clothes that are scent-free. I hope that helps. 100%, I hope it helps too. I think it does. I have no doubt in my mind actually that it does help. And Friend of Bungie Dan, I can tell you your thoughts on this matter are exactly mine, right down to a T. Um, you're sitting in a blind. Now, if you're out in a tree stand, you're out in the open, and there's what they call the scent cone. Your your the weight of your odor drifts down and and goes all over the place, and it sort of fans out from there and it goes out in each direction, whichever way the wind is blowing. There's no question your odor is going to go generally in the direction that the wind is blowing. I think our body is at 98.6. It's a little hotter most of the time. And sometimes during the season, it's considerably hotter than the surrounding air. So that air, I believe, our odor comes off of us a little hotter. So it's going to go up in the air a little bit. It's going to cool immediately hitting the cold air, I'm betting. But it's going to almost thrust it up in the air and then drop it out further from a tree stand. It is also, I don't think the R value, the insulation value of a blind is all that great, but nonetheless, I think sitting in a blind, there is some insulating value to that. So it's heating up a little bit more and containing that right there in that blind a little bit more than it would be if you were sitting out in the open. But when it does come out, it's you know, those blinds, keep in mind, it's here it is like a balloon filling up with air. And there's, if you hunt the way I do, there's only one opening in that blind that's out in front of you. And then the wind hits that blind and shakes that blind a little bit. And it's almost like a, uh, you know, you're kind of puffing that air right out that front window is what it's going to do. Now, it's going to immediately go in the direction that the wind takes it. And you're 100% right to set up where the predominant wind is blowing toward the blind, right? Problem with that is, Deer aren't stupid. They know which way the wind is blowing, and they're going to come in from behind you where the wind is blowing, right? So I don't know that playing the wind, I don't put a lot of, I always try to play the wind. I set my blinds up first with taking the sun into account. I don't want the sun shining into my blind. And the second thing I do is I take into account the predominant wind. And, you know, I'll, I will settle for what the predominant wind, we have a westerly wind here is generally the predominant wind. Sometimes it's a northwest, sometimes it's a southwest blowing from those directions. And I will, I will take, and I try to set up stuff where I have an easterly wind option too, because if you don't have a, if you have, a, if you don't have a single easterly wind option for a stand or for an ambush setting, 
then you don't have a hunting location, right? You, like you can't go out if the wind is blowing from the east. And we might get three or four days in a row where the wind's blowing from the east. It does happen. So to protect myself, give myself some options, I always try to set one up where that's a better option. If you have a food plot, maybe set up a stand on each side of the food plot or whatever, right? So you can pick which way the wind is blowing and hunt the one that's going to be appropriate for your environment on that day. So what I do lots of times, though, I will see that I'll, I will take, if I can't get a perfect wind blowing in my face, then I will take one that's blowing across my face. I will take that. And, and I'm totally happy with that, right? But the scent, that's only 50% of it. Because the other half of the equation for me is making sure that I have scent lock on or ozonics or scent-free clothes and a scent-free shower. All of those things, ideally. In a blind, it's so easy to hang my little scent uh, my uh, ozone generator up in the ceiling of the blind. I just do that. And I turn it on and it's got a little bit of a hum to it, but I hunt near a compressor station at home and that compressor station for oil and gas, that thing is so loud that you can't, you can hear that in all my videos. The ozonics machine is not something deer are going to be bothered by in my neck of the woods. Okay. That's simply not the case. Not going to be a problem. But I run that, and so every little poof of air that gets pushed out that front window has a little burst of ozonics, and it has has cleaned, right? It is it is accompanying all those odor molecules. So many of them, if not most of them, are getting a companion of ozone with them and becoming a molecule that is unrecognizable by the time it reaches the deer's nose. So not a problem. I think that that's really the way to do it. I like doing it that way. I've had no problems with it. I've had good success in blinds. I think that uh, the deer in my neck of the woods are more concerned if I'm hunting out of a blind. They don't care about the odor. I've never had them look up and, you know, like as though they're giving me that indication that they smell something. I've never had that issue when I am practicing my scent-free regimen. And spring gobbler, I hunt out of a blind and I don't do any of this, right? I don't do the scent because they can't smell anything, right? The gobblers can't smell anything. So the, but the, uh, I have had deer walking around my blind and watching them. I get that in a video. That's in an old video somewhere too. But of deer sticking their nose up in the air. They're smelling something. They're smelling me in the blind because I didn't take a shower that morning. I just went out, you know, three o'clock in the morning to hunt turkeys. Turkeys don't care, but deer sure do. So that is kind of the nuts and bolts of how I hunt out of a blind as far as the scent control is concerned. I have a black scent lock jacket that I put on. And it's big enough that I can throw it over other clothes if it's colder, if it's lighter, if it's, you know, earlier in the season. I'll wear a black t-shirt that's scent-free, you know, or a black uh, long sleeve t-shirt that's scent-free. Something like that if it's warmer out. And that's my blind hunting regimen. Uh, one last tip on blinds. I spray the entire inside of it and around the bottom of the outside with permethrin. And I soak it good, let it dry out outside, do it outside where it's nice ventilation. And that way I don't end up with all those spider nests in there. Okay. It will kill all those insects that are not building nests inside my blind. So when I put it away, put it back in the garage, I'm not uh, birthing a whole bunch of spiders the next year. Last little tip about blinds. I hope you got something out of that. This is pretty fun. I enjoy going over these questions and talking about this stuff. And I hope that you guys enjoy these little podcasts. These are a lot of fun and I do, it gives me a chance to uh, respond to people and also, you know, build some content for everybody else and hopefully help other people who have similar questions. Friend of Bungie, William asks, 
The subject is increase arrow weight or use string silencers. Hi Rich, I have an Excalibur Assassin Extreme 400 and then Exoset 200, kind of like your OB. That's for sure. That Exoset rears its head on the Facebooks and on the forums every once in a while. That is a classic crossbow. I've watched your Jumping the String YouTube and like your opinion on silencers that Excalibur offers. I took the string silencers and limb savers and air brakes off and lost 10 to 15 feet per second, depending on arrow weights, I tested through my crony. He took them off and lost 10 to, feet, 10 to 15 feet per second. Would it be better to lose the speed by increasing arrow weight instead of using the silencer stuff? Now, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to assume... That he gained, you take that stuff off and you gain the speed. Because if you got rubber on your limbs, you're slowing your crossbow down. That's universal. Would it be better to lose the speed by increasing arrow weight instead of using the silencer stuff? Deer are going to hear the bow and can only drop as fast as gravity allows them. So should even one bother with rubber stuff that robs speed? I am going to stick with that question. Deer are going to hear the bow and can only drop as fast as gravity allows. 100% true. I firmly believe that. So should one even bother with rubber stuff that robs speed? My answer for that is no. Um, I don't care so much about the rubber stuff. I don't put that stuff on there. You know, I will say this. I mean, if you're shooting the manufacturer's recommended arrow weight and it's a little bit light, then maybe the rubber stuff has a place in this world. But if you're using a heavier arrow, 450 grains, total arrow weight or above on most crossbows, probably that is going to reduce vibration all you need. And you're just going to enjoy it that way. I say, um, no, I wouldn't. I would, if you're using a heavier arrow, like on the OB, that crossbow is quieter than most crossbows on the market. Really, the only thing I hear when I shoot is either the arrow retention spring or the stirrup vibrating. Now, I have a rubberized stirrup. That arrow retention spring has a twang to it, and I think that's what I'm hearing. But it's if you listen to more recent shots from that crossbow with a heavier arrow, the 563 total grain weight zombie slayers that I'm using, that thing going down range, really what you hear, it's like this boing sound. It's almost comical what you get from it. It's not very rugged sounding. And I wish that I could almost change that tone, right? The Scorpid has a very metallic snap to it, crack to it. And the SWAT has a snap to it. It's And that's over and done with. It's a very short sound. Each crossbow has its own unique sound. And the OB has its own unique sound, depending on the arrow that I use. I can tell whether it's a light arrow or a heavier arrow. And I can tell you something in between based on the sound. So what I suggest, the heavier arrow, if you want to do heavier arrows, I'm not recommending that you go to a five, 600 grain arrow or anything like that. But if you are, if that's your decision for other reasons, then you don't need any rubber stuff on there. Take that stuff off because you're going to lose too much speed. You're going to, you're going to ruin your trajectory more so and unnecessarily. You'll make it quieter, but it's getting quieter because it's slowing it down. That's the only reason really is because that arrow is moving so much slower off of the crossbow that it is giving it more time to impart energy into the arrow and less to, less energy left over to make noise. So really the rubber does the same thing. If you put rubber on your limbs and you shoot with it, that rubber is just slowing down your limbs. And it's going to make the crossbow quieter because it's slower, because it has more time to put energy in the arrow. 
even if it's a lighter arrow. So if you're going with a lighter arrow, maybe, you know, and that's not the question here, but if you're going with a lighter arrow or a stock arrow, then maybe you want the rubber on there, right? That's going to slow down the crossbow, but it's going to give you more time to put energy into the arrow. If you are using a heavier arrow, then you can probably get away without that rubber. That is my personal opinion. And I don't, I don't like rubber because it's just, you know, you don't get anything for it. You get something that's a little bit quieter, but the deer are going to hear it anyway. You know, I don't think it makes much difference. Um, and all they're going to do, they're still going to hear it and your arrow's traveling slower. So you're just going to give them a little bit more time to react and duck the string. So there's my two cents. Friend of Bungie, Sam, this is our last question here. Hey, Rich, first, I just want to say that I love your channel. I've learned so much from your YouTube channel as a first-time crossbow hunter, and I hope you keep making videos. Well, I will continue to make videos. Don't you worry about that. I can't wait to get your book when I have the extra funds for it. My question is, do you think spine indexing a new arrow shaft is worth the time, or would knock tuning be just as good? I've been told by two different archery shops here in South Texas. Oh, yeah, Texas is on my list, too, there, friend of Bungie Sam. Got to tell you. Texas has always been on my list, but I'm hopeful that I can get there in the next few years. I've been told by two different shops that I'm overthinking it with spine indexing and that they don't even do that. What's your opinion on that? Thanks for your input and my daughter and I look forward to your next videos, exclamation point. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to making those videos and I'm glad your daughter, just like my daughter, is interested in crossbow hunting. I can tell you that I think spine indexing uh, probably is... Uh, you know, knock tuning is just as good as spine indexing, right? Some people aren't going to agree with that. Uh, you can buy spine indexed arrows and spend a lot of money on those. But I can tell you right now, if you get a dozen arrows, you'll know pretty quick which ones aren't spine indexed because you shoot all 12 of them and you're going to have two, three, four maybe that are shooting a little bit different from the others, right? You just set those aside, number them, set them aside so you know which ones they are. Shoot them lots of times and make sure that's the case and it wasn't just you, right, or some other factor affecting that accuracy. But you get those off ones, right, the ones that aren't shooting quite right. And then you can just knock tune them. Rotate the knock, rotate them to a different vein, shoot them, make sure the knock is lined up. If you've got an caliber with a flat knock, it doesn't matter. But you're going to want to line up your little Luminock electrodes to make sure those are lined up good. But make sure your knock is lined up properly. Try a different vein, see if it shoots better, and record it. Shoot it a few times at that different vein, and then shoot it a few times on the third vein there and find out which one is which. And then just mark it and make sure you're using that one as your cock vein every time. And there, you have spine aligned that arrow. Now, it's not perfect, right? It's not perfect. It's not the same as spine indexing, which is going to be exact if it's done right. And I'm getting into that. Actually, I have a spine tester. But... I don't know that you need to have the spine tester. The spine tester really is just faster. That's kind of the way I look at it. The spine tester, if I run an arrow through there, I can tell I don't have to knock tune it. I don't have to go out there and shoot it three times with each different vein location. I instead can just spine index it and say, oh, this is where the, the stiff spine is. So I'll refletch it and put the veins there. And I've done that and it's worked good. Uh, I don't feel like I'm an expert at it by any means, so that's why I haven't done a video on it, right? But down the road, we will be talking about that because that's I'm trying to grow as a crossbow hunter. I'm trying to explore these different things. And that one is something that, uh, yeah, I would I would say that's a, a good option, right? 
the spine indexing. If you want to get into that, go for it. But are they right that you're probably overthinking it? Yeah, they're also right about that, right? So I think that if you knock tune, you'll be very happy with the results, especially from 60 yards in. It'll make a big difference. You'll get with a properly knocked tuned arrow, you'll get the baseball size groups that you're looking for at 60 yards. And that's probably good for 99% of the crossbow hunters out there, isn't it? Isn't that good enough? Isn't that good enough? And then all of a sudden you get a burst Oracle X and you're like, well, what about 80 and 100 and 150 yards? I want to shoot long distance and hit baseball size groups at 150 yards. And that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> that, friends of Bungie, is the subject of a different podcast. Actually, that's actually coming up down the road here. I am going to do some long distance stuff and do a video on that. Maybe we'll do a podcast on it. have some good ones. Thank you very much, friends of Bungie, all of you, for your questions. You can send me emails off the Death by Bungie website. There's a form on there. You can use that. You can also go on there and leave me a voicemail, and I'll try and answer your questions either here on a podcast or separately. I try to respond to everybody. If I don't, it's because I just, I, you know, I couldn't when I saw the message and then I forgot about it or didn't get back to it or lost the message or what have you. So I do apologize for that. I don't, I don't ignore anybody. That's just the way it is. You know, I always answer my phone. I always respond to my messages. That's just how I am. And I read all the messages the best I can on the Facebook and on the YouTubes. And I give them the little thumbs up or whatever and or respond to them best I can. So I hope you will continue as friends of Bungie to hit me up for that stuff. And until next time, all hail Bungie. Bungie.